Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la almuna illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la almuna illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la almuna illa ma'allamtana. Amma ba'd. Qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qala nakiru laha arshaha nanzur atahtadi am takunu minal ladhina la yahtadun. Falamma jaat qila aha katha arshuk. قالت كأنه هو وأوتينا العلم من قبلها وكنا مسلمين وصدها ما كانت تعبد من دون الله إنها كانت من قوم كافرين قيل لها دخول الصرح فلما رأت حسبته لجة وكشفت عن ساقيها قال إنه صرح ممرد من قوارير قالت رب إني ظلمت نفسي وأسلمت مع سليمان لله رب العالمين ولقد أرسلنا إلى ثمود أخاهم صالحا أن يعبدوا الله فإذا هم فريقان يختصمون قال يا قوم لما تستعجلون بالسيئة قبل الحسنة لولا تستغفرون الله لعلكم ترحمون قالوا اطيرنا بك وبمن معك قال طائركم عند الله بل أنتم قوم تفتنون وكان في المدينة تسعة رهط يفسدون في الأرض ولا يصلحون قالوا تقاسموا بالله لنبيتنه وأهله ثم لنقولن لوليه ما شهدنا مهلك أهله وإنا لصادقون ومكروا مكرا ومكرنا مكرا وهم لا يشعرون فانظر كيف كان عاقبة مكرهم أن دمرناهم وقومهم أجمعين فتلك بيوتهم خاوية بما ظلموا إن في ذلك لآية لقوم يعلمون وأنجينا الذين آمنوا وكانوا يتقون صدق الله العظيم Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear listeners, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Last week we completely we stopped on the aspect of shukr and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed uh, Sulaiman with such gifts and such power and and when when at last the throne of Bilqis was brought in front of him uh, in in less than a second in a in a portion of a second less than it would take a time for a blinking of an eye and that happened at the hands of someone who had knowledge of Allah's name had knowledge of the book of Allah it was not at the hands of someone who had mere pure physical strength it was someone who had been endowed with a spiritual strength he is the one who brought it. And I told you we had two tafsirs we talked about. One that it was Sulaiman himself who was like this. Or it was Asa bin Barkhiya, one of the Siddiqeen and the righteous pious people from uh, his ummah who was there. So immediately Sulaiman when he saw this huge resp- uh, gift of Allah, he did not forget that this is um, uh, a test from Allah. And that was an interesting thing we spoke about last week. That blessings need to be realized that, you know, with what they say, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So with great, great gifts comes also great responsibility. That if you've been gifted with talent, then you, have, you are responsible for shukr. If you have intelligence that, if, that is more than the average person. If you have wealth, more than the average person. If you have physical strength, more than the average person. If you have knowledge, more than the average person. If you have connections and, and, and uh, charisma, more than the average person. All of these gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala require a person for us to realize that this is a test from Allah to see how I utilize this blessing. And I cannot act like 
you know, life is normal, just enjoy. Actually, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen certain people. Allah has chosen certain people for the benefits of people. He chooses them to benefit other people. This there, like it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses certain, you know, wholesalers and retailers to say, okay, I want you to be a means of spreading kindness amongst people, mercy amongst people, food amongst people, wealth amongst people. Okay, There are certain people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses them for the benefits of the people. And as long as they continue doing what they've been asked to do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give them supply. And when they begin to withhold and stop doing what they have been commissioned to do, which is to help people, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, I'm going to find another distributor. Right, basically. Find another distributor. You're not doing your job. So like how the companies do, even small, all the companies, you open up a franchise, whether it's McDonald's, whether it's GNC, whether anything else, TAT&T, you have to live up to a certain expectation. Otherwise, you lose your, you know, your license. Right? And so people, they, they get very worried when they have those inspections and those annual reviews and whatnot, you know, that they need to meet up the, to the demand, the expectations of the company. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uses us for that. So what, what do we understand from that? If we are in a position that we can guide someone, we're in a position to help someone, we're in a position to physically or financially assist someone, let's, let's regard this as a blessing of Allah and not a burden. Regard that as a blessing of Allah, not a burden. And keep on going with that. If we begin to think that this is like Qarun type, I received this from my own knowledge, and we stop, we withhold and stop giving our time, our, our resources to people, then it is very possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala snatches this away from us. And we'll be, you know, in, not in a position, even if we want to, not only not able to help anyone, unfortunately, maybe wanting to, now we'll need to extend Allah forbid our own hands, asking people for help. So it is a uh, very important uh, a warning and a reminder for all of us that if you have something which others don't have, then the way to thank Allah is to share. Keep on sharing whatever you have that Allah has subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. So this is what we spoke about last week. If we do shukr, we'd benefit ourselves. If we do kufr, if we be ungrateful, then Allah does not need, does not need our gratitude. Uh, and one thing that we need to be grateful for today is being able to come to the masjid. You know, every single, I feel like every Friday I just want to speak about this. In every single khatr, I want to speak about this. Because I really feel like this is unprecedented times. Where, you know, the, the entire, you know, there's, when, the, when, when there's certain, um, what they call that, you know, certain uh, politics play around in an area, and the entire population moves out, and a new population comes in. That's kind of like what's happening in the masjids. That a whole population has been disconnected from the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A whole population. And as I was speaking to someone yesterday, and very rightfully I agree with what he's saying, he said, by the, by the time this all said and done, we will most likely lose an entire generation. The entire generation will, will, who's growing up now, youngsters and young, uh, you know, uh, growing up in a COVID era when it's completely accepted, acceptable not to go to the masjid. It's completely acceptable to pull out the COVID card for anything, anything Islamic. Anything Islamic, the COVID card will be present, but barbecues and everything else will go, move on as normal. Uh, these children are, 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 are growing up in this era and they, will have, they, will, they, they may, uh, unfortunately being real, may not know what it means to be going regularly to the house of Allah, attending programs and retreats and atikaf programs and for Umrah and all that stuff, all those things. So we're seeing that happening so much that people who are super regular, unfortunately weeks and months are going by that they have not visited the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even for Jum'ah. 
So that is something we need to not uh, forget how blessed you and I who are sitting right now here are. And those who are even listening, that most of the people are, have lost their interest to listen. The fact that we're listening or attending in person, let's thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from now till Isha. As you sit here, keep on saying Alhamdulillah in your heart that you have been chosen by Allah to sit here. And you've been chosen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be part of His house, to be invited, even though thousands and thousands have been disconnected. Next, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that He told, uh, uh, Sulaiman told His servants, change the appearance of her throne, make it unfamiliar. Munkar, munkar it means sin, right? You know, nahiyan al munkar, to prohibit something which is sinful. Why is, mun, why is the word munkar used for sin? Because munkar means something which is not known. So sin is supposed to be not known in a good, thriving Muslim community. They don't know what it is. So that's the word. Isn't that interesting? Sin, the word for sin in, in Arabic and the use in the Quran is what? Munkar. Something which is unknown. Because no one does it. So when, when, you, when, you, when someone tells you, do you know the latest fashion of this or later, or latest song or latest music, you say, you don't know about it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. That's good you know it. Alhamdulillah, you've, you've, you've got, remember, our mind is, is a real estate, right? Brain is a real estate, and it's limited real estate. There's no endless real estate. Our brain is not endless real estate. There's only so much you can memorize. There's only so much you can comprehend. There's only so much you can focus on. So you choose. You want to focus on Quran and Sunnah? You want to focus on the Seerah and Tariq? You want to focus on Hadith? You want to focus on something that is beneficial or you want to focus on a bunch of rubbish? So that's very important that what we take in, we have to be careful because it, it's taking away space from something else. So munkar is, is the word used for sins which means something which is unknown. Something which is unknown. So they said, make her throne unknown. Change it up. Change it up so she doesn't recognize it. Anandur, then we shall see, shall, we fo shall she follow the right guidance after seeing this miracle? Or will she be from amongst those who are not guided to the right path? Sulaiman wanted to test two things. She, he wanted to test her intelligence and he wanted to test her nafs. He wanted to test her intelligence and he wanted to test her humility or arrogance. Which one is it? Two tests he put forth for Bilqis. So she comes in and the throne is there, you know, this is shock and awe. Instantaneously the throne is brought there and he didn't keep it exactly how it is. He changed it a little bit. And so now, we are, um, we are Ashraf al-Makhluqat and we are the chosen, uh, the, the most sublime of Allah's creation. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us an aql. Allah has given us intelligence by which we can recognize Allah's greatness. That's what it is. Not about, it's not about how, how we can construct buildings or anything of that sort. It's about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us intelligence to be able to recognize His greatness. So if you use your mind to be able to understand who Allah is, you're blessed and I'm blessed. And if we don't, then we are actually more fools than the animals. Because they also understand that they have a maqsad and a purpose and you sit there hearing them at maghrib time, fajr time, doing dhikr. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're just not at that high level, but they're doing alhamdulillah what they're told to do. We have the ability to go very high level. We have the ability to bring Allah's laws on earth and fulfill them and establish them. But when a person does not do that and turns his back to Allah, then he becomes from the lowest of those who are low. Even as Allah Himself says in the Quran, those people who do not use their ears, eyes, and minds for the sake of Allah, Allah says, they are like livestock. Nay, they are more astray, more lost than the livestock. 
Because the ability of a livestock is limited. While the ability of this human being to use his intelligence, to use his mind was something amazing. And he wasted it away. So now he asks her, فَلَمَّا جَاءَتْ When, when Bilqis came, and he said, She was asked. Okay, she was asked. Uh, or it was said to her, Does your throne resemble this one? Does your throne resemble this one? He didn't ask her, is this your throne? So it would be a yes or no answer. This was a trick question. Does your throne resemble your throne? So the way the question is asked is though, as though obviously it's not the same one. But hey, does the one back at home resemble? Does it look similar? Okay. So the question itself was a challenging trick question. See what I mean? He didn't say, is this yours? No, he said, does it look similar to yours? So that itself, the question seems to suggest that most definitely it's not the same one. It's something maybe similar, yes or no. So look at the answer she gives, because she's intelligent. She says, huwa. She said, it is as though it were itself. It is as though it was my throne. So she didn't say yes or no. Right? Um, she just gave a golmol answer, a diplomatic answer, because she was intelligent, and that's how intelligent people they work, right? They, uh, they, uh, they, they never they, in press conferences and whatnot. What do they say? They never to give you the real right answer. It's, they'll never beat around the bush, so that they're always right. So she gave this answer as well. So he recognized, okay, she's smart. Okay, she's intelligent. However, according to the scholars, some of the mufassirin, is that she did not immediately accept Islam. She could have. But she didn't. Uh, it is we who have been given, revealed the knowledge before her, and have ever been Muslims to Allah alone. Now who said this? This ayah. It is we who have been given knowledge before her, and we were Muslims. Some have said that this is the statement of Bilqis herself. And she's saying that, I figured out already from beforehand, that uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna try to outsmart me and this and that, so I already came in submission. I know you're very smart, Muslim yani very smart. Or it could mean that this is Nabi Sulaiman Sallallahu saying this, that um, I've always Alhamdulillah Allah has given me tawfiq and I've always recognized Allah's qudra way before you came before before everything you had Allah Jalla Jalalu granted me faham and understanding of the deen and gave me prophethood of course, right? Or it means. That I already knew, Sulaiman said, I'm saying, I already knew that you will humble yourself when you come and see my power. And you are a good person who will eventually be guided towards thee. Okay. Um, one thing is that all the religions and all the prophets invited towards the same deen. It is the deen of Islam. Be it Sulaiman, be it Ibrahim, be it Rasulullah, be it Musa, Isa, Ali, Musatullah. All of them the word Muslims. So notice here the word is Wakunna Muslimin. Even though it's Sulaiman Islam's time. But the word is that we were Muslims, we were submitting ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What she had been habituated to worshipping apart from Allah. What she was accustomed to worshipping apart from Allah caused her at first to turn away from faith. For indeed she was from a disbelieving people. So they are completely two different tafsirs of this ayah. And that's why we're knowing grammar is important. Knowing Arabic is important because the way you do the sentence grammaring or what we call tarkib, it completely changes the meaning. So one explanation is, وَصَدَّهَا مَا كَانَتْ عَبْدُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ 
for the students of Arabic, I'll say that this is the fa'il. Whatever she was worshipping besides Allah stopped her. Stopped her from recognizing Sulaiman Salam. That's one tafsir. Another tafsir is that fa'il of Saddaha is Sulaiman. That Sulaiman, the doer of the verb Saddaha is Sulaiman. That Sulaiman stopped her. And Makana Ta'abud min Dunillah is the maf'ul. Sulaiman stopped her from worshipping what she used to worship. Completely two different yani, approaches. Right? One is she didn't accept Islam because what she used to worship before stopped her from humbling herself 100% completely and saying, okay, I got it. You know, amantu billah. That's one meaning. Second meaning is Sulaiman stopped her from continuing to worship what she was used to. Just by making one of them the adverb, one of them the, 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 uh, the doer of the verb, changing those things around can give you two completely different meanings. And both are different tafsirs. That's the beauty of the Quran. So let's take the first one that she was stopped by her what she, what she was accustomed to. So uh, the ulama say that she she had two issues with her. One is that her adat and the other one was suhbat. Adat and suhbat. One is your habit and number two is your what's what's ada? Habit. Habit and suhbat is companionship. Two problems arise in our journey towards Allah. Bad habits and bad company. Bad habits and bad company. If we can change the habits or change the company, we can get free from all of those things that are holding us down. So there's many beautiful people out there in the world. Great people with great deeny, jazbah, desire. They want to do great things. They want to be good husbands, good wives, good dads and good moms. They want to be good Muslims, good citizens, everything. But unfortunately, they've got bad habits. From young age, they've just been accustomed to. Like you see, for example, you look at a 15-year-old, 18-year-old who's swearing on the basketball court. He doesn't necessarily mean he's an evil kid. It's just that he's got an environment and a habit from young age. He's surrounded by people who swear. So he doesn't know any better. Now he's old, he knows better, but he's, it's too late. He's gotten too accustomed to it. So we may write off a person who's swearing, left and right and say there's no point man this guy stay away from him but he may actually be the most amazing person you've met it's just these habits started off with him at a young age or rather the environment was bad at a young age and the environment of others moved into him until it became his habit now he's majboor he doesn't know what to do and everyone judges him based on how he speaks how he dresses how he, how he acts when in reality he's a very good person but these are the things that are affecting him. So what are you going to do with that? The way to do that is to ch try to change the environment. Because what they say habits are? Learned. Right? What was it? Habits are learned. Hence you can unlearn them as well. We weren't born swearing. We weren't born with these type of bad traits. So we pick them up from somewhere. So similarly, we have to unlearn them. We have to unlearn them. And just like over time, exposure to a good environment can give us good, um, good habits, the being deprived of a good environment for long can also take away from those good habits and change into bad. Many times I tell the students when they're graduating from our one-year program here, and they all have had an amazing journey. Uh, starting off with, you know, whatever level they were at, Alhamdulillah, they went not one notch up, many, many, many notches, tens, tens of notches up in staying in this environment. And they can all acknowledge it, we see it, it's very obvious. But what I also remind them is that 
Look at where you were 10 months ago and with the environment of the house of Allah for 10 months and the suhbah of your teachers and good other classmates, look at how you have developed yourself to a degree which you never thought you could achieve. This happened through the barakah of the environment. So at least realize that environment has a huge effect. So just like this powerful environment changed you for the better, remember when you leave from here, you're gonna be going back to another environment. For many, the same old environment, which was toxic. So if a powerful environment of the masjid can make you better, realize that you're not immune to going back to where you were when you leave this environment. And actually you may end up even going further away if you are not weary and smart enough. So all of us, no matter what course we do in the world, no matter how many hajjs we perform, every one requires bi'ah environment. Because just like going to the haram charges us up, not going to the masjid for six months is going to completely kill your battery. So in this day and age, when you see people disconnected from the masjid, my dear brothers, remind everyone, if they're saying whatever issues they have, just tell them, hey, at least come for Aisha. At least come for Aisha. Come listen to a five or two minutes hadith that you just heard. Just, you just heard that beautiful hadith after Salat al-Maghrib. You don't know what's going to hit us what time. Just praying Maghrib, listening to the beautiful tilawah being done, looking at other people doing the dhikr of Allah. Today one student came, you know, everything's off-site right now. So one of the students came to just attend class in person here, just alone. He said, I want to sit here. And, and then he told me, he's a, he's, a, he's a senior, yani, an older student. But he's being real with me. He's like, Mufti Zab, it's so hard, it's so hard, I can't explain to you. It's like the real world out there. This is a bubble that we're in, inside the masjid. But the outside world, if, especially if you're a youngster, is very tough to stay away from all the distractions. And he said, just coming here and seeing other students or a few or at least the teacher. He said, literally, I don't need anything. Just to see the teacher, it revived my iman back. And I feel like one day coming in person for a few hours charges me up to be on the right path for the rest of the week. And that's something we're being deprived of when we don't come to the house of Allah. He's just speaking his heart out. That is the reality for all of us. If we do not have the environment, we're going to lose it. So Bilqis, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possibly saying that she was a good lady. She had good nature in her. But she was surrounded by people who did not worship Allah. And that affected her own behavior and that it became her adat as well. So in Urdu, we adat se majboore. What does that mean? A person is forced in because of his habits. Alright? I mean, he's a good person, but you're seeing he's acting up weird. It's because that's just his habit. So let's stop thinking. I saw a very, uh, uh, I share with some one of the uh, business management professionals shared with me some amazing, you know, insight which I was unaware of, maybe many of you are aware, but something new for me. He was saying that in terms of employee, uh, employee uh, you know, productivity and employee talent, uh, uh, morale, uh, and, and not just employee, people in general, people in general, but we started off from employee, we're talking about general psychology of people. How much does environment have effect versus personality? Right? I mean, I would think 50-50, maybe 40-60 or something like that. But based on the, 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 the statistics and the st- scientific studies that they have, he told me it's 90-10. 90% what? Environment. 10% personality. 90% environment. He said you can pretty much create a culture in your work force or in your whatever place. And people, 90% of the people will change and abide by that. And the 10% that don't, they don't belong in the company. Because their personality is completely just strong. They're not willing to budge. But 90%, he says, will change. So if you have an on-time environment, everyone needs to come on time to a meeting, right? And it's just like, uh, uh, you know, 
Is it or are we just naturally, we have the procrastination genes in the disease? It's not really, it's not like that. It's simply the environment that we're surrounded by. That if we have, um, you know, the next 50 shadis, all, all planned and organized that every single one is going to start at 7pm and, and the, the gates are going to close you know, or the, the gate, we're going to end, switch off the lights at 10pm that's it you'll see everything will change for example so it is the, you'll see the very same people will start coming on time for everything so uh, what was I telling you personalities you know it's, it's not about you know we also ourselves we have a problem we write off people and we are very quick to judge and we say oh, this person is like that no he's not like that he's simply because of the environment he was in so what is the way to change myself change yourself change our family members bring them to the environment many times I get asked by fathers are saying how do I speak to my son 19 years old 18 years old or 15 moms will ask me the same thing you know we're having all these issues unfortunately it's like the most common thing right now extremely disobedient children who are disobedient to Allah, disobedient to the parents. Where do you start reasoning? Where do you, and my simple answer to them is somehow or another, bring him into the environment. And then just, you know, uh, have me somehow meet him very naturally, organically, and then inshallah, I'll take it from there. But just bring them to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Get them into the environment. When they come and they sit for a few minutes also, then a lot of the, the, the rust that has come over the heart, inshallah, will... Uh, go away and the person will be inclined to listen to the haqq so this is what uh, they say a man is a, uh, a, a product of his environment that's true but also they say he's a product of himself what does that mean? that as many times a person is in an environment like Bilqis but she had correct fitra in her and she was able to figure out that this is not right she didn't stay stubborn somebody get Meaning, our asal, fitra will come out when we are given a proper good environment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second explanation was, Suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam, she was from a disbelieving nation, so that's why she didn't immediately accept. That's why it's going to take another test, which is now the test of water. The other explanation is that Suleiman alayhi salatu was able to stop her from worshipping what she was before. Well, that doesn't happen immediately. It happens next. What is the next one? He says, He's, It was said to her, Enter the palace court. Sarh is a court where you have three walls and no roof. Three walls and no roof. Open, one side. So he, he told her, or someone told her that, Please go to the king, palace of the court. The court palace court. When she entered, What does Sulaiman have? He had a glass floor, thick glass floor. And under the glass floor was a pool of water. And there was reflective glass around the walls as well. I think so. But definitely there was a glass that was on the floor and it was extremely well polished. And it looked as though it was, you couldn't tell there was glass. And that happens now as well. You can see sometimes you don't see that there's a glass. It looks it's so clear and so well polished and clean so when she saw that he's telling me to enter the palace and I need to get to the other side but there's water here so she lifted up her um, uh, the, her lower garment to and expose her shins so that she could walk across without getting her clothing wet and then when she did that 
she realized there's nothing there to make it wet. It's not even water. It is a glass. So she was basically fooled. Okay? So this was uh, like a metaphor, right? a metaphorical explanation that look how you, although you're so smart, I fooled you. And something as simple as that, you fell for it. Similarly, although you're very intelligent and powerful, you have been fooled into believing that there's someone besides Allah as your God. Okay? So don't be arrogant and just owe up and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I got fooled here and I got fooled over there. So as long as you immediately acknowledge that you've been fooled and you want to rectify yourself, Alhamdulillah, that's good. But if you want to be stubborn and you want to say, no, 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 actually it was like this, actually it was like that, and you don't acknowledge it, then there's no solution to that, to stubbornness. Anytime a person is humble, Alhamdulillah, there's always a chance to learn. So she bared her shins to cross it. When she did that, he said, it is but a court of polished glass plates overlaying water. It is but a court of polished glass plates overlaying water. Suddenly realizing the truth, she turned to Allah in prayer and said, My Lord, I have indeed wronged myself by worshipping the sun. And I, am now, and I now submit myself with Sulaiman to Allah alone, the Lord of all the worlds. So what do we see here? He tested her Humility here. What did he test the first time? Her intelligence. Over here he tested her humility. And he saw that she is humble. And she's acknowledging her mistakes immediately. And she said, ظَلَمْتُ nafsi. I have oppressed myself. What, what is oppression? What is the oppression? By, by getting tricked into thinking that there's water? That's not the oppression. She's talking about the oppression of making shirk. And worshipping someone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyone besides Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Who is a greater oppressor than the one who ascribes partners to Allah? Who is a greater oppressor than the one who lies against Allah by saying Allah has a son? So the greatest oppression, my brothers and sisters, is a person commit shirk. The greatest oppression is by committing sin. Allah says in the Quran, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانْهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ those people who believe, who have faith, and then they do not mix their iman with dhulm. What does that mean? Don't mix their iman with dhulm. Dhulm means sin. Because when we sin, we are oppressing our own self. We are making ourselves ready for the hellfire. So, the one who cares about his, his self should ensure that he doesn't sin. We say we all love each other, and that's why we say be healthy, eat healthy, you know, lead healthy psychological lives and you know, don't get too stressed out and all, you say, I gotta take care of my, my, myself. If you really care about yourself, then don't sin as well. Because by sinning, we are oppressing ourselves and making us, unfortunately, the, uh, the fuel of the hellfire. As we talked about that last week, hajara, protect yourself from the fire of hell whose fuel is, 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 is human flesh and what else? Stones, right? So this is the dhulm that she was speaking about. The greater dhulm we do is when we do not allow ourselves to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Indeed, the one who purifies himself is successful. And the one who does not purify himself and allows his inner self to go deep into the filth, he is destroyed. Allah says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تَزَكَّى in Surah Ala. The one who is purified himself is successful. 
Allah says, "Qad The true believers are successful, successful those who are humble in their prayers, those who have humility and concentration in their salah. Right. So this is the opposite of dhulm. Um, leading a life, my dear friends, of iman is a life that is worth living. A life without iman, without amal salihah, is no life. It's mentioned in the books that there was a there was a certain village where the graves, they, all the years, it showed how many, how long these people led, led their lives. The dead people, the graves would have five years, 10 years, 15 years written. Someone said, what, what is this? What are you talking about? All children? This is a graveyard of just children? They said, no, in our village, we have this habit that when a person commits his life towards Allah and repents fully, that's the only life we count. So we started writing, when people die, we'd say, when did they change their life and committed themselves to Allah and made tawbah? That's the only years our village people count. So that's why you see five years, eight years, seven years. Because life before that is not life. That was your dead. And Allah says this in the Quran, He says, Amwatun ghayru ahya. These disbelievers, amwat, they're dead. Ghayru ahya, He emphasizes, He said, they are not alive. He could have just said dead, but He emphasized, they're dead, they're not alive. They don't even realize when they're going to be raised up on the Day of Judgment. Okay. Allah says, what about the one who was dead and we revived him through Islam? So life pre-Islam is, and pre-Iman and pre-Deen, pre-Sunnah is a life of jahala, a life of ignorance, a life of oppression. It is no life at all. The true life that comes in is through Deen. Ulama say, what differentiates us between us and animals? What is a difference between marriage of an animal or reproduction of an animal and marriage and reproduction of a human being? That is sunnah. Sunnah is what differentiates between you eat and the squirrels in the backyard eat. What's the difference? Right? We, uh, we, we go looking for, for work and all the animals also looking for some means to bring food. What's the difference? It's sunnah. Sunnah differentiates man from animal. Otherwise, without sunnah in his life, he will be just like the rest. So reciting our du'as before eating, reciting our du'a before entering the home, reciting the du'a before going to bed, making sure our intentions are, are there when we eat, all of these things is what separates us. Otherwise, if we just eat, 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 and enjoy life without sunnah, according to Allah Himself, not just what ulama, what Allah Himself, He says, يَأْكُلُونَ كَمَا تَأْكُلُ الْأَنْعَامِ They eat the way the livestock eat. وَالنَّارُ مَثْوَلْ لَهُمْ And the hellfire will be their abode. What does that mean, eat like the animals eat? There's no sunnah in terms of how much we eat, what intention we have in eating, what are the etiquettes of eating? Nothing. It's just grazing away, grazing away. Eat whatever you want, whatever you come across, halal, haram, doubtful, no difference. When, where, how. This is what the Quran is saying. They eat the way animals eat. And hellfire will be there, abode. Allah protect us. So this is the key important reminder is sunnah differentiates us. Today many brothers, they ask, rightfully so, how do we protect ourselves from the fitna of Dajjal? How do we protect ourselves from the fitna of Iblis La'in? How do we see people are falling off the boat, falling off the grid? What should we do? It's so scary, it's so intimidating, it's so overwhelming. What should we do? And the answer, my brothers, is sunnah. That's it. As long as we are following sunnah in our asp- on all aspects of life, inshallah, inshallah, 100%, you can feel safe that you're gonna, you're, you're, no one's going to be able to get to you. As long as you're following the sunnah. That is the uh, prerequisite. 
Sunnah is the way to protect ourselves from the Iblis, protect ourselves from Dajjal and from everything else. So continuously reading a book of Sirah, reading through a book of Sunnah, and trying to always ask ourselves, reminding ourselves that I want to do something in appropriate manner. Not just do it, dekha dekhi, what everyone else is doing. But instead do it the way the Prophet ﷺ did, that's where the safety will lie in. What do we see here as well? In order to rectify ourselves in, in our path towards Allah and in order to benefit, get close to Allah, we need to have humility and humbleness. We can never feel we're too old, too senior to be corrected. Or we're too knowledgeable, too wealthy, too powerful to be corrected. If that attitude comes within us, then we will suffer. That's why the ulama say, two people will never learn knowledge. You've heard this probably many times. Two people will never be able to seek knowledge. One is an arrogant person, and one is a shy person who is too shy to ask. And this is a mas'ala today. People don't ask questions. People don't ask. I ask sitting, all of us who are sitting and listening right now, when was the last time we asked a mas'ala about finance, a mas'ala about spirituality, a mas'ala about salah, a mas'ala about some doubts you have, a mas'ala about some whisperings of shaitan, a mas'ala about something happening in our home to someone. This is the reality that if without asking, how are we leading our lives? And we, shaitan will come and say, it's, it's okay man, I don't want to bother people. I don't, it's okay, I'll just manage without it. But when it comes to the smallest things at home, we're always well, you know, trying to figure out, trying to get it. And we have Google of course to check. But in the matters of deen, we don't have Google. Many things, it needs to be customized. You need to ask someone, say this is my problem. The, this shaitan, he deprives us by making us shy from asking questions. In Allah la istahi, Allah does not shy away from the truth. There's nothing for us to shy away. If we don't know something, ask. If you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. And what is the second thing? Who doesn't benefit? Is the one who is arrogant. Arrogant people and shy people, they say, can never seek knowledge. So Bilqis had humility here, and she said, "Okay, I made a mistake. That's it." Now, what happened? When you make, when she accepted Islam, she didn't say "Aslam to li Suleiman." I accept Islam. That she didn't say I accept Islam for Suleiman. Aslam to li Suleiman, right? She said "Aslam to ma Suleiman." I accepted Islam with Suleiman, not for him. On, yani, I'm, not, I'm not submitting myself to him. I'm submitting myself with him. So even though he is the one who invited her and he showed her who is in power, etc. But once you accept Islam, we become brothers and sisters. There's no fadil mafdul, someone is better than other. None of that. Right? It's all gonna be judged on the day of judgment through our taqwa. Someone who came in much later in the game may go ahead of the rest who are there from long ahead, long before. A revert may end up being ahead of someone who's been a, born a Muslim for generations. You know, there was a person during the time of the Prophet Wasallam, and Nabi Wasallam was traveling with, in an expedition, and a man came and said, he met Rasulullah Where are you headed? He said, we're going to so and such and such expedition, you know, and he invited him towards Islam. That man said, oh, is, what, what's in it for me? The Prophet said, say Islam, believe in me as a prophet, and you participate in this battle. He was, a, he was a random person on the, on the path, on the journey as they were going in, towards the battle. If we win, you get the spoils of war. If you lose, your life, you get Jannah. He's like, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So right then and there, he accepted Islam. He joined the battle and he became a martyr. So the Sahaba say, 
We used to talk about this person and we used to say that this is an example of a man who went into Jannah without performing one salah. He accepted Islam, within hours he passed away as a martyr. We don't even know what state you and I are gonna die in. We have no idea. Forget martyrdom is another thing. We don't even know if we're gonna have iman or not. We hope and we beg to Allah and we make dua that Allah grants us death and iman. But sometimes you see that someone may actually come and relate in the game and beat everyone else. That's, that's just how it is. So he, she submitted to, uh, with Sulaiman and once, so once a person becomes a Muslim, then there is no, uh, uh, there's, there's no separation. And th- so there was one individual, Umair ibn Wahab. Umair ibn Wahab. They call him يعني, the Shaitan of Jahiliyyah. Shaitan of Jahiliyyah. Okay? Shaitan al Jahiliyyah, Hawari al Islam. Shaitan during the times of Jahiliyyah and a true uh, companion of Islam because he accepted Islam. Umar ibn Wahab. So Umar ibn Khattab says, Al Khinziru kana ahab, kana ahab minhu hina tala. When Umar ibn Wahab came, a swine and a pig was more beloved to me than him. And today he's more beloved to me than some of my sons. Today he's more beloved to me than some of my sons. What is that? That Islam, once a, no matter what a person did in the past, when Islam comes in, then everything else in Islam wipes it out. And we don't look back and we don't point back and we don't remember what has happened in the past. And that's the beauty of this deen. A person, everyone becomes brothers once we accept Islam. So we've wrapped up the story of Sulaiman and we take home messages from some of the, some of these stories from this story. Some of one of the few points uh, is that use your intelligence that Allah has given you to look for the truth. Allah says, "Afala ta'qilun, afala tafakkarun, afala tafsirun." Do you not comprehend? Do you not ponder? Do you not think? Do you not see? In order to recognize Allah. We cannot just be looking at dekha dekhi, what everyone else is doing. What are all the relatives doing? What are the community members doing? Allah has given you brains, given me brains. Use that to recognize what you're supposed to do. Seek knowledge, but use the God-given gift of aql to recognize truth. And do not just simply look at what others are doing. Number two, power, strength, knowledge, wealth, and everything else. These are gifts, huge gifts of Allah. There's no such thing as something is pure corrupt. You cannot say power is corrupt. Wealth is messed up. No. Any of these things, be it power, be it wealth, everything can be used properly. And if you do, you'll be blessed. So I was giving an example today in class about dunya, because in Mishkat Sharif we're doing all the hadith about dunya. And how dunya is, you know, this and that. I said the example of dunya is like, a, a, you know, bleach and Clorox at home. You use that and mashallah, nothing, you know, you want to, you want to disinfect an area. You want to clean something extreme, you want to bring, you clean your white clothes or you want to disinfect your sink or whatnot. Nothing better than, you know, bleach. Very effective. It, it is, you can scrub all day with some random soap, dial soap, it's not going to happen what happens with the bleach. But that same bleach, if you sit there and chuck it down, drink it, look at the harm what's going to have. So we're not going to say bleach is useless. We're not going to say bleach is to be thrown away. Very effective, but as long as it's used in its appropriate place. And if you don't use it in its appropriate place, then the harm is huge. Same thing with wealth. Same thing with power. Same thing with knowledge. When used in the appropriate place, the benefits that you will get with this is awesome.
Yeah, it's true. You can donate hundreds of thousands. You can call the shots and change the ordinance of a place to have a masjid built if you got power, right? And you can free people who have been wrongly imprisoned. So many amazing things you can do. But unfortunately, most people drink the bleach instead of using it to clean in this, in this example. Meaning, most people get corrupted by their power. Most people get corrupted by their wealth. Most people get corrupted by their knowledge. And they don't utilize it for what, what they could have. What our scholars say, a very good point. They say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given means to Muslims in this world not to live it up. Live comfortably fine. But the main purpose of means is for us to live it up in the hereafter. So if you have wealth, are you lucky? Yes, you are. If you have knowledge, are you lucky? Yes, you are. If you have power, are you lucky? Yes, you are. But lucky in what sense? That you can invest it for your hereafter. Use the means that Allah has given you. Should we, should we run away from acquiring wealth? No. Should we run away from acquiring power? Not necessarily. Depends. That's, you know, we need to look at ourselves. Will I get corrupted by it or will I be able to use it in an appropriate manner? And if you are been gifted by Allah to be able to use these things for the appropriate manner, Lak Suleiman salam. Immense power, but he used it to establish justice. The next story is of Salih salam, short one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, we, uh, we sent to the people of Thamud, their brother Salih as a messenger, saying to them, Worship Allah alone. And at once they became divided into two contending factions of faith and unbelief. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to the prophets to all the nations for one purpose. Alright? And that is to invite people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for them to do ibadah. So uh, Allah Jalla Jalalu out of his mercy for the Ummah has sent these prophets. Allah says regarding Thamud in another place in the Quran in Surah Hamim Sajda, He says, As for Thamud, we, we showed them the right path. However, they preferred blindness over guidance. They preferred blindness over guidance. They didn't want to be rightly guided, even though we guided them. A powerful punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala overtook them because of what they used to do. So what was the purpose of these prophets? All of them. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is ibadah, my brothers? Again, reminder is to 100% make us subservient in all aspects of our lives to Allah. Like a slave who wishes to please his master and who knows that I cannot make a move without asking my master, what next? What should I do? What should I do? And Allah is Malik al-Mulk. Allah is the king of all kings. So since we are slaves, we have to lead a life of complete submission to him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this deen. And Allah is a creator of our intellect and Allah is a creator of our nature. So the deen cannot go against our nature and cannot go against our intelligence. When it seemingly at times, if it does, that your intelligence or your nature is going against deen, that means there's something wrong with us. We're not getting it. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes you have a key. And your door is not opening. Dude, I got the wrong key. Wait, hold on. It says home. It's my home key. And you're trying. I'm sure it's happened to some of us. Right? And you're not opening it. But you know it has to open it. What's wrong? You're probably just, you know, you're being flimsy with it or you're, 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 you're not holding it rightly, uh, correctly or there's something wrong, it might be something stuck. It's your home key that you use every day. It has to work. You cannot say it doesn't work, please. But if it doesn't seem to be working, there's something wrong, fix it in your key. But it is, it's the same key. So the deen must match, our, our, our intelligence and our nature must match the deen. 
It's completely logical. And if it doesn't seem logical, then the problem is that we have corrupted our mind or corrupted our fitrah. That's why it's not fitting in. Vacuum cleaner plug is not fitting into the, uh, what you call it? Wall. What do you see? You see that it got bent. That's why. Otherwise, why would it not fit? Then you have to fix it. It'll go back in. Simple as that. So this is some, our belief. That the deen fits in with our intellect. The deen fits in with our fitrah. So some people, they have their fitrah, they have messed it up. Nabi sallallahu said, "Kullu mauludin yuladu al fitrah." Every newborn is born with the innate nature of Islam. It's his parents who make him Yahudi, or Yunasirani, make him Christian, or Yumajisani, or make him into a fire worshipper. But he himself was born with the fitrah. It's supposed to make perfect sense. So when Nabi Salih told them, worship Allah, Allah says, فَإِذَاهُمْ فَرِقَانْ All of a sudden, they became two groups. And there will always be two groups. Remember that. There will always be two groups. Allah Himself says that in the Quran, هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ فَمِنْكُمْ كَافِرٌ وَمِنْكُمْ مُؤْمِنٌ Allah created you. And some of you are believers, and some of you are disbelievers. That's how it is. Now, nowadays people want to make it all one category. Blur the line between belief and disbelief. Famous actor passes away. Famous basketball player passes away. You'll see people try to prove that he was a Muslim as well. You know? To make us feel... But we, we, we feel the pain. Yes. But you know, how much effort, how much dua, how many times you made dua? You were sitting there trying to wear his jersey. You're trying to, you're trying to watch his movie, this, that. How many times you literally pray to Rukat Salat al-Hajj and cry to Allah? You know? Ya Allah, please guide him. I want to be able to find a way to go meet him and to, and to invite Islam, to write a letter to him. That never happened, crossed our mind. Now when a person passes away, try to put the stamp. They never tried to come to the masjid or to, to our knowledge or try to come ask. Maybe they did in private life, but we publicly are not aware of it. It is what it is. Why are we at this level, stooped down to this level that anyone who we like, we say, oh, whether you didn't want Allah, but khalas, Allah needs you. You're going to come in with me in paradise. We don't have the authority to do that. You know, Allah, Jannah doesn't belong to me or you. You cannot just make people enter it. And Jahannam also doesn't belong to me. We can't just make people enter that either. You leave that up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there's no reason for us to pass judgments. Either Jannah or Jahannam is not for us to be saying this. Right? So these, these two tartibs have happened from before. Two groups. Mu'min and Kafir. They've always been there. Qala ya qawm. He addressed his nation. He said, Oh my believer, oh my nation, why do you hasten to bring evil doom upon yourself instead of the good tidings of faith? Will you not seek Allah's forgiveness so that you may be shown mercy? So this is the arrogance of these disbelieving nations. They would tell the prophets, Allahumma in kana hadha huwa al-haqqa min indik fa'amtir alayna hijaratan min as-sama'i awitina bi'athabin alim. Oh Allah, if this prophet is true, if this book is true, then bring upon us a rain of boulders and stones from the sky. Or bring about another powerful, painful punishment. Why would you say that? Instead of saying, if this is true, then allow us to see the truth. Why would you say, if this is true, then bring down a punishment? Meaning they were making a mockery of Allah, making a mockery of the Prophet, making a mockery of the deen. Of course it's not true. If it is, bring down punishment. You see, that is, that is like, you're stooping so low. Right? You could have said, if this is true, then bring us rain. If this is true, bring us this. Ask for that. Why would you say if this is true, bring down a punishment? So Allah is saying, why are you demanding that I want sayyah, evil to come? Why? 
Why don't you just ask for good things? Instead, why are you demanding and asking that sayyia, uh, evil should come down upon ourselves? It, why do you not instead seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that you, get, you, get, you enjoy the mercy of Allah? So Allah's mercy only comes on a clean heart. Allah says, On the day of judgment, wealth and sons will be of no benefit. The only one who will be able to enjoy the blessings or the shelter of the day of judgment will be the one who will come to Allah with a clean heart. And what does it mean to be a clean heart? Clean heart from, uh, clean from shirk, clean from kufr, clean from jealousy, clean from hatred. I read something uh, regarding Fudayl ibn Ayyad today. Fudayl ibn Ayyad, the great, pious person of the past, he mentioned. Whoever has been gifted by Allah with a clean heart in which he does not harbor grudges against others, has been given a blessing of Jannah right in this world. Cash mil gap, jaldi mil gap. You got pre-ordered. Pre-ordered, in special order. You got it before everyone got it. Whoever was being gifted with a clean heart in this dunya, meaning clean in terms of not having grudges and hatred and jealousy for anyone, he's got the blessing of Jannah before time. And then he mentioned, he read the ayah of the Quran, وَنَزَعْنَ مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ غِلْ that in, 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 uh, in Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah jalla jalalu says, in Jannah, we have, we will pull out people's hearts. We will clean people heart, people's hearts from any type of evil. Should I read the statement there? Yeah. Yes. This is Surah Al-Hijr, ayah number 47. We will, pull it out. We will pull out from their hearts غل, hard feelings. Number two, ikhwanan, the jannatis will be like brothers sitting on couches facing one another. Dil or ek The hearts will be clean and they'll be sitting like brothers in front of each other. So Fadil ibn Ayah says, whoever's been given a clean heart for his brothers, he has been blessed with one of the blessings of Jannah before time. So may Allah make us from amongst those people. They would always have clean hearts for one another and, um, and so forth. So, so that's what Qalb Salim is. Okay, so if we, if we seek forgiveness from Allah, we'll get the mercy. He's telling this to, uh, to his nation. They said to him, We perceive an omen of ill fate from you and from those who believe along with you. You have brought about a lot of problems. So these are the same things that have been mentioned again and again. When a, when a person is, comes and starts speaking, inviting people towards sunnah, what happens? Brother, do not cause disunity amongst us. Yeah? When you start speaking about the deen, please do not make us into groups. You have caused this... People say that today, but I'm telling you, they've been saying this to every prophet. You are all going towards hell. I'm trying to bring you back towards paradise. And some of you want to continue to go to hell, so obviously it's going to be two groups. But what did you have at least 50 people, 50% saved? 50 So the whole entire group was going towards hellfire. And now someone's, group, someone's been saved. 
So something you hear today, today that ulama are causing ikhtilaf. Before, before the whole masjid, before we had an imam, everyone was on the right page. Everyone was together. Yes, everyone was doing things against the sharia. Now when the imam came, and now he's obviously going to speak the truth and invite people, there's some people who will not want to change. And there are other people who will see the truth and say, thank you so much, and they'll come towards that right. So yes, you'll have two groups. Just like if no prophet would come, everyone would be a kafir. They would not believe. They wouldn't know about this. They would, some of them maybe know about a little bit of Allah possibly, but they would not be guided towards the right path. When prophets came, it became very clear who's where. Dutka dut pani pani, as they say, right? That's what's gonna happen. So when haq is gonna be spoken, you're definitely gonna have two groups. Just remember that. It's not possible that you're gonna get everyone on the same page. So that should not stop you from working towards the truth. Because, oh, how come everyone's not united? It'd be so nice. I wish too. I wish six and seven billion people were muttaqi and following the sunnah. But that's just not meant to happen. So we gotta do it, we gotta save as many people as we can. So what do they say? Musibat has come because of you. Look at the disrespect that they had with the prophets, which they have today as well. He said, You deserved fate, good or ill. Rather, you are a people who have been put to trial by him. So let's talk about this ill ill omen and good omen and bad omen. You know. Our deen has told us that we should never t- blame things for giving us, you know, bad omen. I see a crow flying this way, see a black cat pro- passing your path in the morning, right? Or anything of those things. Or because this person looked at you, he ruined your life, this person did something to you, and then feel grudges against that person. This is not the way Islam or teaches us. However, on the other hand, Islam says to try to take good omen. So beautiful, man. Meaning, try to find a way to be cheerful and happy and have hope, be hopeful. So if you see, like, you're having a, a conversation going on, and a man named Farah walks in, you're doing mashallah, you're, you're doing some, you know, Discussion about something And you guys are trying to figure out what to do A person by the name of Falah A person by the name of Yasar A person by the name of Barakah Walks in You can take a good omen oh, MashaAllah, MashaAllah Falah is here So inshallah we'll be successful in our meeting right now Yasar is here Ease is here Hopefully we'll be able to arrive at a conclusion That's good, we should do that Look for opportunities to take good omen That's what we've been taught The Prophet would like to do that So that is such a positive approach Islam has Take a, don't take bad hints Take good hints <laughs> Right So, so that we Whatever is meant to happen will happen But at least try our best to be hopeful and cheerful And lead our life through that He said You're blaming me for what's happened to you You are Whatever's happened to you is because of your own self Not my own things so we, we have a very firm belief in taqdeer. Nabi Alaihi said, Man ata'arrafan, whoever went to a fortune teller, fasa'alhu an shay'in, and he asked him about something, lam tuqbal lahu salatu arba'ina laylatan, 40 days, 40 nights, his salah will not be accepted. Nabi Sallallahu said another hadith, Man ata'kahinan, whoever came to a fortune teller, astrologer, arrafan, fasaddaqahu bima yaqul, and believes in whatever he says, faqad kafara bima unzila ala Muhammad, he has disbelieved in whatever has been revealed on Muhammad Sallallahu Now, very big problem we have today is that people read horoscopes. Very common in the community. They, oh, you, previously, this get printed in the newspaper, right? 
long ago when the newspaper used to get delivered to our homes, I was just thinking about the other day. I was just thinking, like, but last week, asking him, asking his, you know, my uh, nephews, you know what a paper boy is? You know? Because, like, I just, it just dawned upon me, they don't know what a paper boy is. I was like, subhanAllah, it's just, it's just, it's finished. I Googled it. I was like, do paper boys still exist? It's just finished. The profession is gone now, right? Finished. It's like so many things are changing in our lives. I came across an old home phone last, last week at my dad's office, which is lying around there. And I brought it home to show it to him. I said, this, they didn't know. The kids are like, what is this? <laughs> They've never seen a house phone, right? It's so weird. What type of era, subhanAllah, we're living in? Just, it's never probably has there been such a huge difference between two, three decades than what we see now. So this fast pace of change is going to continue. So the, definitely the world has changed through COVID. So pre-COVID, someone who, who's born now will never understand how life was pre-COVID. Or someone who's young, subhanAllah, will never understand how it was before. It's so weird, isn't it? It's like the generation that was born pre-smartphone. Um, they can't understand. You know, they, they, post-smartphone will never understand how it was before. Or post-cell phone will never understand how it was before. Post-internet will never understand how it was before. Similarly, post-COVID will never understand how it was pre-COVID. That's just how things are, are moving here. But no. So what was I saying? That people read horoscopes a lot. And they say, oh, I don't believe in stuff. But if you, why are you reading it? The fact that you religiously read something, there's dal mekala. There's some problem with you in the iman. And the words are very strong. Whoever goes to a fortune teller and believes what he, what he, that, his salah is not accepted 40 days. And one hadith, another one what? He has become a kafir of what was revealed unto the Prophet So we need to create the tarbiyah of this in our homes. That this is something that is not cool. It should not be done at all. Allah subhanahu wa says there was a group of nine people in the city. They were in the city, nine men, the heads of their clans who spread corruption in the earth and did not set things right. Evildoers, nine of them. Thus they said, yani those who disbelieved, they devised a wicked plan against Salih salam. And what did they say? They swear to one another by Allah that at night you shall together ambush him and his household and kill them all. Then we shall say emphatically to any heir of his that seeks retribution that we were not present at the annihilation of his household. They were influential members of the family, of the clans, and said collectively, let us kill him and his entire family, assassinate them all. Because why? He's inviting us towards Islam. And then when their relatives will come and try to find the murder, we'll say, well, we weren't even in town. We have no idea who killed him. Very sad to hear this type of thing. Allah says, وَمَكَرُوا مَكَرَا Thus they devised a wicked plan, makar, against Salih. وَمَكَرْنَا مَكَرَا But we also devised a plan to save him. وَهُمْ لَا شُعْرُونَ while they were entirely unaware of our planning. Now the word makr is what you call a tadbirul khafi, quiet planning, right? Usually in a bad sense. So when this word is used for Allah, I mentioned this in Juma as well this week, regarding yukhadi'oon Allah, what's that? The word khida, khida means deception. They try to deceive Allah when Allah is actually going to deceive them. So I said these type of words in the Quran they're called mushakala. Mushakala means because deception and plotting, conniving are not words that are appropriate for Allah. Because why? Okay, not besides the surah adab, it doesn't apply to Allah. Because who connives and who plots? Someone who is weak, 
He doesn't want anyone to find out. You, your plot is no longer a plot if the whole town knows about it. Your conniving is no longer conniving if everyone's talking about it. It's on the front page of the newspaper. Your khalas is done. So who does Allah have to hide it from? Who can come to know of Allah's planning? No one can. So that's why it doesn't even apply. You understand? So why does then Allah use this word? In Arabic it's called mushakala. What does mushakala mean? You use a word for Allah or for anyone back to back because it rhymes or it's the rhythm with it. You don't want to ruin it. You're using the same word even though the application is different. See? It means two different things. But you are using it because it's similar to the, the word previously. So the same word is used although the application is slightly different. Like for example, in Allah wa malaikatu yusalluna ala nabi. Indeed, Allah, His angels, they send salutations. O believers, you send salutations. So my salutation, angel salutation, and Allah's salutation, huge difference. But this has been used for all three. Allah, angels, and us, humans. Salat, sending salutations. So here as well, plotting and conniving, Allah uses for Himself. What does that mean? One meaning is, it means to destroy their plot. That's what it means. Allah plots. Meaning Allah is going to destroy their plot. Or Allah is planning to protect the Salih and the Muslims. Allah says in Surah Anfal, They plot and connive, and Allah plots. And Allah is the best of plotters. So my brothers, this ay these ayat are very important for us to remember. That no matter how evil Iblis and Dajjal and the, the shayateen of humans and the shayateen of jinn are, are trying to plot against us. The one who is above all is Allah. And only what Allah wills shall happen. No one can, yes, we, I'm weak, you're weak, and we can all get destroyed. But no one can destroy Allah. So as long as we have trust in Allah and we have hope in Allah and we're connected with Allah, that's all we got to worry about. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides something to happen which you don't like, well then guess what? <laughs> you don't have any choice. Right? He had, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi to get hurt in Uhud. Allah decided to Nabi Sallallahu to get hurt in Taif. Allah decided for his grandchildren to die and to be murdered. Allah decided for his daughters to be killed, some of them. Some of them to die natural death. Well, what are you going to do? Allah decided it and there's some wisdom behind that. So whatever happens, it's not like, oh this kafir, how dare he did this to the... Allah had willed it long before the creation of the heavens and the earth, He had willed that this to happen. Whether it's the elections coming now, or anything else happening in the world events. We need to ensure that we are grounded in our faith in Allah. We can't change what's going to happen. We will try our best to create awareness and do what we can. But make sure, the key thing is, remember this ayah. They plot, but Allah is the best of plotters. Who will have the last laugh? Allah will. Right? And he may not show it in this world. It may become apparent in the akhirah. But definitely no one can do any plotting and planning with the men in black right? that they're talking about. <laughs> right? And the Illuminati and, and uh, supposedly those guys who are controlling these presidential um, uh, you know, nominees behind the scenes. Right? These are all behind the scenes. Some people get obsessed with watching these documentaries. Obsessed with watching all this stuff. By that time, if you read Surah Baqarah, you would benefit more. Seriously. A million times benefit more by the time you sit there watching that documentary. Which is, what are you going to do at the end? Nothing. Can't do anything. All he does is, you're going to sit there, get more worried, and go to sleep, you know, not properly, and have a hard time waking up for Fajr. So it's better you read Surah Al Baqarah, you read Tilawat of the Quran. That, that's a smart thing to do. Allah says, Look, see how devastating was the end of their plotting. Plot kia, how long did it last? It didn't last. See how devastating was the end of their plotting? For indeed we demolished them and their people altogether. 
So there were their dwellings in ruinous desolation. Look at their homes, Allah says. Khawiyah means fallen upon. Like when the, when the roof caves in and then the walls fall, up, fall upon them, this is called Khawiyah. When the roof caves in and the walls fall upon it. So Allah said, look how devastating was their end. So there were their dwellings in ruinous desolation because of the grave wrong they did. Indeed, in this account, there is a sure sign for the people who would know the divine retribution is unfailing. If you know that when Allah subhanahu wa puts his focus on someone and he's not going to let him go, if you know that, then you will learn a lesson. If you don't know that, then this story will just be another story of the Quran, unfortunately. Stories of the Quran are not meant to be stories only, they're meant to be life changing lessons stored within a story. And that's what it is. And yet we delivered from this destruction amongst them who believed and were God-fearing. So this is the system of Allah all the time. The adab will come. Those who fear Allah, those who believe will be saved. The punishments of Allah are coming in the world continuously now as well. As long as we have our faith in Allah and our have taqwa, then inshallah the kufr of the kuffar will not harm us. But we ourselves cannot be uh, losing our faith and our hope because of all the you know, turmoil that is taking place in the world. Have faith in Allah Jalla Jalla. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us istiqamah in attending the masjid, istiqamah in connecting with the Quran, istiqamah in, in sunnah, istiqamah in benefiting from the Quran, reciting the Quran. May Allah make us amongst those who take heed from the beautiful stories and lessons of the Quran. And may He grant our progeny istiqama and iman and islam grant all of us death and iman and islam subhanallah alhamdulillah 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 alham